Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Lord, we thank you for your presence, that you're with us, that you're here in the midst of us. We're so thankful. God, we just, we bless. I bless you. I bless the testimony of your goodness in the midst of the assembly today. God, thank you. Thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you that in every circumstance, through your goodness, through your kindness, you are teaching your people. You're helping us to change the way we think. It is your goodness that leads us to repentance, your kindness. Lord, I thank you that uh, it's, it's better, it's beyond anything that we've thought or prayed for even. We have, it has not entered our hearts, his goodness and the level of all that he has done for us. Lord, I thank you that you would bring revelation to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. God, open the word, help, help us to, help me to articulate, help us to hear what you're saying to each person. I thank you for that. Bless our time right now. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody. Well, okay, it's good to see you. <laughs> that one guy over there. <laughs> Did you feel it? I said this first service, I meant it, it's hot out, but there's a coolness in the air that reminds me that winter's coming. <laughs> it's, too, it's too early, it's too early. Uh, you rebuke me, okay, yeah, uh, that's fine. <laughs> Yay, God. I have some things on my heart today um, that, that I'm excited to share with you. I think it really matters. I think that uh, what we're talking about today has the potential to truly impact the way that we live. Um, I, I think that if you will wrestle with the truths that we talk about today, that it might sort of mess you up for a little bit. I promise you, you're going to get mad at me a couple times. But I'm also going to remind you that the reason that we are here is not because we agree, but rather that we are gathered unto something bigger, him, his presence, his ways, okay? And, and although we don't always see eye to eye, although, we, although corporate agreement might be something that we get to wrestle through, that is the privilege of being in a body, it's the privilege. It's the privilege of discussion and argument and, like, bumping heads, like taking thoughts and, and sharpening them, iron off of iron. And it's a good thing in every level, okay? And so I, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be offended. Allow your sensibility to get knocked into just a little bit. Because there's an opportunity there for God's goodness 
to educate, to teach, to cause us to repent or change the way we think about things. And, uh, and it's the beauty of this coming together. It's actually like one of the purposes. Amen? All right, so if we can get there, we're going to have a good time. If you're hoping just for a sermon you agree with, this probably wasn't the one. But if you're new to the house, welcome. We're glad you're here. <laughs> it's going to be fun. No, I truly, I, I don't think we're going to have a disagreement thing. I think we're going to mentally agree up here, and I think we're going to bump into some things in our heart. And that's the permission we got to give the Lord this morning. And so, Lord, we just give you permission. We give you permission to, um, Lord, to, to speak to our hearts. Right? Are you good? Okay. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 is going to be the text today. We're going to work through this one. There are other passages that, that we'll talk about, but this is kind of the main one that we're going to talk through. It's significant. It's impacting. Pastor Austin last week talked about the, basically the law of love, the motivation of love, building from love, and how this is one of the core foundational principles. We're going to talk about what that looks like. What does it mean? Beyond that, the motivations in our heart and how it is displayed in our life. And I want to get into practical stuff. That's where we're probably going to get, you know, we're going to have a wrestling match. But the goodness of God will prevail in your heart. And his light sets us free. It's what truth does. I want to poke the bear right away, okay? Poke it. Boom. I want to I wanna point out the elephant in the room. I want to tell you that in the last season of time, I've bumped into more people struggling with anxiety and panic attacks than I have in my whole life. It might just be that, you know, I'm, I'm older now, and so people maybe trust me with that information a little bit more, which could be very possible. But I think there's something more going on. I want to propose to you that 2020 triggered people, that beyond that, that that the manifestation of being triggered looked like the arguments in politics, but I think it was going beyond that. I think something's going on in the, the soul of mankind right now. And I have good news associated with that, but it's going to take some like layers first for us to get to that. So I won't display the whole thing right away. But here is this thing. I bump into somebody, they're going through anxiety, panic attacks. I don't know if you've ever done this, had this happen to you. I've had it happen to me. I've experienced anxiety, waves of it. It's not the emotion that's the problem. It's the process. It's what we do with it. It's the choices we make afterwards. It's the, the, the ability to, to keep taking steps forward and overcome and that process. And it's beautiful. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to hide from. It's something for the body of Christ to walk together through. Are you alive? So first of all, if you have ever gone through that kind of stuff, if you have experienced the heightened awareness of this in these last days, then you're in good company because, frankly, every person in here has gone through that stuff recently. It's happened. The fear gong... The sound of fear was in the wind. It rattled cages. It messed people up. And I think our souls are still recovering. I think there's some practical things that we see, like the heightened emotional response. Like there's trigger stuff where, where, for instance, like a customer service agent, 
you, you were annoyed before, but, but there will be a moment. I mean, if you go to Wally World, Walmart, if you go to stand in their customer service line and someone's returning something, it didn't go the way they want, you can watch zero to 100 miles an hour in emotion, right? I mean, like in a moment, traffic stuff, somebody cuts you off and it might have been like normal, like, ah, you know, no big deal, beep. But now we're watching people throw down, <laughs> I mean, freak out. Has anybody witnessed a freak out in traffic in the last, I don't know, six months? Anybody? Bueller, one, two, three people. Really? Okay. Just to get the read of what's going on right now in the audience, are you going to respond to me this morning? I just want to know. So if, okay. So 50%. So the best I can hope for in this moment is 50%. That's fine. Whatever. I think that when we see a manifestation brought to the extremes that we've seen in terms of anxiety and pain and process, that it's not, it, it's two, it goes two places. It goes to break down or it goes to break through. And I believe that we're in the moment where we're going to watch a tipping point happen in our nation. I think that prophetic words about revival and reformation and a, an awakening, these kinds of things... I think that we're in the middle of that. I think that history will tell us that 2020, that George Floyd, that Black Lives Matter, that things like the political divide, that all these things were awakenings. They were shaking storms that are alerting people to a new day. It's change that you're witnessing. And if you witness change enough, like change management is an anxious experience. It's just part of the process. And I'm telling you that we're on the, the brink of dawn. That we're, that we're, the next generation, we have the opportunity, y'all, as this generation to pass off and empower a generation that will see breakthrough for the future, not breakdown. That's the invitation that we're in. Is anybody alive today? Okay. Okay, I just need to know who I can count on. Scotty, can I count on you? Yes, Al. Okay, I'll preach to you too. Oh, my wife. Yes, of course. Yeah, you were a given. I don't know why you're arguing. Trigger, that's right. I'm, like, I'm in fear right now. This is actually what's happened. I make jokes when I'm uncomfortable. This is <laughs> This is 1 John 2:15 through 17. Okay? Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. This is an amazing verse. 
I, and I, it needs to be broken down. It needs to be talked through because you can assume some incorrect things, like just if you just take something at face value and you don't look a little deeper, okay? First of all, the word lust here, we're not talking about like a sexual lust. We're not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about a passionate pursuit or an appetite. It's a desire. It's the seeking of something, okay? And so it, there will be a moment where we're talking about the lust of the flesh. Can it include something like sex or something? Yes, but that's not the context. To do the will of God, those who live forever, this process, the world passing away, the lusts of this age passing away, yet contrasted with those who do the will of God. We got these two life experiences. We're not talking about something that happens to you in eternity. We're talking about your quality of life right now. How many in here would appreciate an eternal experience of life, abundant life, during your lifetime. <laughs> what just happened here? <laughs> was, that was 100% of part participation. Awesome. Yay, we agree. The Packers are going to win this season. <laughs> Again, agreement right there. I got you to talk to me. Like... I have found that when interpreting scripture or when trying to read it and understand what it's saying, first of all, there are styles of writing that each of the writers in the New Testament had. Okay, how many have discovered that the Apostle Paul is the king of run-on sentences? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? He starts a point over here, explains the dictionary and everything in it, and then concludes his point over here. And it takes you like, I don't know, 10 sentences worth of information to figure out what he's trying to say. And the only way to do it, again, this is Paul, just a little tip, right? <laughs> you guys are reading the scripture. Only way to interpret Paul is you take the first part, you look for the comma, take everything out in the middle, <laughs> and then go to the end and just put the first part and the second part together, and it makes perfect sense. And after that, you can add the stuff that was in the middle. That's how you read Paul, okay? And suddenly it makes perfect sense. Okay, John, this is the Apostle John. John is a prophet. Okay, prophets think in terms of timeline. Prophets talk and think. They're, they're, what they're known for is their interaction with heaven or understanding, seeing, connecting with what God is desiring and how it relates to how humanity is behaving. And so when a prophet often will write, or John writes, how he will do it is he will look the way, frankly, that God looks at something, or he looks at the end from the beginning. And so there's a timeline to what John proposes. Okay? God, when he's going to take action on something, he determines how it's going to end, and then he begins it. That's kind of the way that John writes. Okay, and so when we look at this kind of writing, this style of writing, if you will literally take the end and read it from the point that's at the end backwards, it explains exactly what he's trying to say. All right? You guys are right. 
Just wag your head at me. Pretend like you're, there you go. All right, so let's walk this one backwards. Just start at the very end, okay? Last sentence, last, last stanza of this, uh, this verse. The one who does the will of God lives forever. What does that mean? What does thou meanest? The one who does the will of God lives forever. First of all, lives forever is not talking about you're going to heaven and you won't ever die. That's not what it's saying. It is eternity. Again, what I said at the beginning is this. We're talking about a quality of life experience. The one who does God's will experiences eternal life. You experience the eternal life of heaven as you are participating in what God wants to do. As you do God's will, the life of heaven impacts your life and the lives of the people around you. Are you with me here? Think about the Lord. I just want you to see him. Imagine him this morning, okay? God. Is God stuck in the timeline or is he eternal? Yeah, you can answer. I won't trick you, I promise. I'm not going to trick you. He's eternal. He's above time. Yeah? God has a will. He has a desire. That desire is to be manifested in humanity, in creation. God loves to work through people. We get to co-labor to see God's will done. We get to do it with Jesus. Partner with what he has done to see what God's will is. It's amazing. What a privilege, right? The one who does the will of God, the one who doesn't think about just the way the world does things, but instead connects heart to what God's wanting. From the smallest things to the biggest things. When you do God's will, you're partnering with something that is outside of time. God's will is initiated, originated, it's from heaven towards earth. So those who do God's will are participating in an eternal flow of life. So when you here on earth do God's will, that eternal flow of life, you're literally doing something that is partnering with eternity. Right? So if, if I say the world is passing away, the systems of the world are passing away. They won't last. What I'm saying is if you do the stuff that the world does, it, it doesn't impact. It's not eternal. It's not going to keep lasting. It just it will pass away. But if you participate with what God wants, then you're participating with something that will last forever. You got it? If you do God's will, and I love this because it's from the simplest things to the greatest of things. Man, I, I used this illustration before, but you're, you are in line at a, at a drive-thru. And in your heart, you just go, you feel prompted, I should pay for the person behind me. The drive-thru difference, Right? <laughs> yes, okay, right? And you do that. You just initiated a decision based on your interaction with the generosity of heaven. You didn't do that out of selfishness. You didn't do that because a radio station told you to do it. You didn't do it. It originated beyond that. 
And so when you chose to partner with it, it, there was an eternal value on it. Something as simple as buying somebody's meal. Why? Not because the impact of the meal, but because you were doing a work that was partnering with the will of God for the planet. Yeah? That's the stuff that matters. From the smallest of littlest things, you followed a prompting in the moment to you made grand plans to fulfill God's will. From the smallest to the biggest thing, that's the stuff that when you are standing before the judgment seat of Christ, because it is eternal in its nature, when God's fire tests your work, it will remain. Because it's eternal in its nature. Are you following me? You got this? Okay. Those who do the will of God live forever. The impact continues to go on and on until the end. The ripple effect of those kinds of decisions go a thousand generations, the scripture says. This is Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. This is one of the commandments of God, one of the Ten Commandments. He said, you shall not make for yourself an idol. What's an idol? An idol is an image that you're going to worship as God. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, or another version which says, those who do not do my will. But I show loving kindness to thousands of generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments, or to those who do my will. Two experiences in life. You ready? Here we go. You do God's will. The impact of your choices will continue on throughout history because it's eternal in nature. It will impact thousand generations from now until the end of time. If, however, you make decisions based on the world system or those things that are passing away, the impact of those decisions lasts up to three or four generations. It says that God will visit the iniquity to their children. That word iniquity means it's a willful choice to do your will, not God's will. It's your choice. You chose to do your will, to go your own way. The impact of those kinds of decisions only lasts three to four generations. What does that mean? Can I tell you? I want to be real practical with you. When we talk about the sins of the father passed on to the children and the grandchildren and all this, I feel like we have this like ominous version of that. I don't think it needs to be like that. I think that iniquity is man chose to do his will and it never works out. 
like ever. It only will last three or four generations, so about 150 years. It's only gonna last 150 years, 160 years. Generations 40 years, you do the math. Okay, unless it's new math, in which case I don't know how to do new math, so I'm just gonna go ahead and multiply it, all right? Three or four generations, the iniquity, the pattern that was established to those choices is only going to last up to 160 years. Now, step back for a moment. Turn your brain on. What is, okay, I'll just say it. I won't even ask you as a question, okay? The conscious memory of a society and its processes and the effects of decisions that previous generations have made lasts about 150 years. The pain and the trauma of decision last about 150 years. The consciousness, the memory that's active in your life is less than 150 years old. I'll illustrate it for you. What's your grandpappy's name? Go ahead, just say it to yourself. Glenn. No, it's Glenn. No, what, what's your granddad's name? Grandfather. Some of you don't even know. Okay? Some of you do. Awesome. Okay? What's your great-grandfather's name? Okay, just survey. How many do not know? Just throw, throw your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Okay? The only reason you know is because you've been on whatever, history.com or whatever the, you've been mapping out your family tree. You don't know your grand, great-grandfather because you didn't interact with him. You might have as a little kid. Most likely, though, it had already passed before you got the memory. So you're not even working with your memories. You're working with the consciousness of your family and if they pass those memories on. The test becomes this. How many know the name of your great, great, great grandfather? None of you. There is literally, there's, there's literally, this is in the, the familial, this is the, this is the connected history of what's valued. And we don't have an active memory for it. It ends there. Systems of the world are like this. They're like memory. They only last as long as someone is carrying them forward. And the vast majority of choices that man makes don't have lasting implications. Do you know what the main source of transportation was 150 years ago? You'd say horse, but really it was feet, because not everybody had horses. You might have had a mule pulled by a car. You may have some form of technology like that, like the wheel. Woo! But the vast majority of the system of transportation in this nation 150 years ago was your feet. Okay? Fast forward a little bit. We progress, yeah? We're making decisions. Awesome. The train and the steam engine changed the world forever. Yeah? How many just got on a steam train to get here today? <laughs> okay? You might argue, oh, well, we built upon it. Yes. We progressed 
and there were implications, but how many know right now that we're rethinking those implications because of consequences? How many know, this is what's amazing to me, is that when I think about the conscience of America and the, the, the stress that we're in, this is the good news, that the trauma mostly exists 150 years ago, up to. It's progressed, okay? But 150 years ago is your Native American stuff. 150 years ago is this we're wrestling deeply with slavery. Civil war, right? There, are there consequences since? Absolutely. Are we still dealing with systemic choices based off of pain? You betcha. But... Three and four generations is where conscious memory and the iniquitous patterns tend to die or break through. Y'all, we are on the edge of breakthrough right now. It is prominent and painful because we have gone to this point. So the baton that we get to pass off to the next generation, our kids, it better not be a revisitation of pain from 150 years ago. Do you get it? Now, what about those who make decisions based on God's ways? See, those kinds of institutions that exist in the will of God have lasting impact generational impact. Do you know, humanity was given an invitation at the very beginning. God put Adam in the garden. No suitable helpers found. He reaches into Adam and pulls out Eve. He brings Eve to him. Adam goes, whoa, those are my bones. That is my flesh. I'm going to call her woman, name, because she came out of man. And God goes, and for this reason, man and woman come together. For what reason? Because Eve was taken out of Adam. And before that happened, God had said, this is my image. The image of God was Adam with Eve on the inside. The ability to produce life, the ability to create, all of that is contained in Adam until Eve is taken out. And when Eve is taken out, Adam goes, whoop, something's missing, and there it is. She comes to him, he goes, woman, you were taken out of man. And God goes, for this reason. What reason? Because the two need to become one flesh to display the image of God. Because this union, hear me out, think generationally. Talk to me about an institution that lasts and blesses thousands of generations. Y'all, it's so crazy to me that we are thinking that things like marriage are political topics. What are you talking about? This isn't, what does this have to do with politics at all? This isn't, we're not voting on this. This is a thousand generation blessing to humanity. The partnership with each other to procreate, it's amazing. The covenant of God. And it can be blessed. 
And it has lasting implications. Have a kid today, a thousand generations from now, you will see your mark on humanity. <laughs> Unless you go your own way and die because of iniquitous choices. Do you see? Maybe not. Scotty? Yes, thank you. Generational impact. Okay, what takes place here? The world is passing away, and it's lust, it's appetites. What lusts and appetites? Just look at this real quick. The lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Everything that is outside, outside of God's will, so eternal God's will, right? So when you do what God's doing, it has eternity resting on it. Makes sense. Okay, when I do what's not eternal, when I just do what the world's doing, it's got a lifespan of 150 years of impact, maybe. Right? Those are your two qualities. One lasts and one does not. Simple. One is blessed and will increase and one has decay attached to it. It's going to fade. There's no empire in the world that has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. No government, no force or process of business has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. These things are not, they're temporary. They exist in a society, and then it burns, and it falls apart, and it'll exist again, and it'll burn and fall apart. There's patterns. We can see it. You got the wheels turning? Come on. Don't make me. You're working, working way too hard up here. Come on. The lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life are fading, okay? The lust of the eyes. This is the stuff people want. The stuff you trade your time and energy and life for. It's the, it's the stuff. Bigger, bigger house, better car. I, I don't know what people want. What do you want? Uh, a third home? Okay. Like, really? What, what is the, what's interesting about the, the lust of the eye is that the eye will never be filled. You will always see more. It's on an increase. The appetite always increases. Always, there's always something better, bigger, beyond. Better, bigger, beyond. I'm like, alliteration, is that what it's called? Yes. I'm killing it this morning. Look at this. Woo. Okay, the bull. <laughs> oh, don't applaud that. That was, that was self-deprecating humor, actually, and you just applauded it. I feel bad now. <laughs> the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. What's the pride of life? It's the stuff you achieve, y'all. Okay, I'm, people booed me in the first service for saying this next thing, okay? But, but okay, come on. When, when an older guy has a trophy room, dude, this is sad. I love you, I love you. I'm so glad you won I don't even know. Player of the year. Amazing. Can I tell you, before you finish your run in the retirement home, your kids will have thrown that garbage away. It doesn't last. It's not even going to make it to the next generation. Okay, now you know why people booed. It's like, oh, gosh. All of my achievements will burn. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your metal is literally trash. It's garbage. 
and you're trading your life energy for things that will not last. The boastful pride of life. You see the building I built? Man, you kidding me? Do you see the engineering marvel? Do you see the software I wrote? I love it, all of it. I think it's amazing. I'm not saying these things don't have value. I'm just saying they're not eternal. The impact is just, it's shallow. It's really shallow. And so when you have choice and the faculty of decision-making, we, we have the opportunity while we are living to exchange temporary things for eternal things. This is the divine exchange. This is the thing you should live for. The lust of the flesh, okay, again, it's not about sex. It's about appetite. It's what your body wants. It's the stuff you crave. It's what you want. Better clothes, right? A, a, a nicer, I don't even know, just whatever, nicer things. Filet mignon and lobster. <laughs> Woo! Right? Actually, it's crab legs for me. You can keep the lobster. Uh, Man, king crab legs. My sister lives in Alaska every year for Christmas. This is my gift. She like, sends me a five-pound box of king crab legs. Whew, right? Oh, mmm. Now, I can, I can cook a steak, y'all. My kids will tell you I cooked the best steak they've ever had. Prove it, Okay. <laughs> It's not a competition, and you didn't catch the joke. <laughs> it's the best steak they've ever had. <laughs> okay, whatever. All right. Here's the deal. What you crave, what you have an appetite for, what you love, what you are trading your life for, this stuff fades away. It's passing away. It does not last. I mean, it doesn't last. The best of it won't last. What's the Apostle John saying? Let me just read the thing in context again. Ready? Here we go. Don't love the world. The word love, it's agapeo. It is the active process of pursuit. It's what you want. I love that. I want it. Don't love the world or the things in the world, those systems. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is not about salvation. This is about the quality of your life. If you are trading your life for temporary things, all it does is prove that you have not tasted of eternity yet. Because once you receive God's love, the Father, once you interact with your Father in heaven, your Creator, dude, it's game over you will spend the rest of your life wanting to interact with that because nothing else is worth it. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is passing away and also its appetites. But the one who does the will of God experiences eternal life. There's a story at the very beginning. It's Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel. Maybe you know it. 
It's a tragic story. At the same time, it's incredible. And if you grab hold of this one today, it will impact your life. Genesis 4, verses 1 through 12. The man had a relationship with his wife, Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I got a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Abel was a keeper of the flocks. Cain was a tiller of the ground. It came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. The word, that phrase, countenance fell, means I took my eyes off of what's true and real and I have fallen to the base existence. His eyes fell to anger, to rage, to blame. That's where his focus came upon. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do my will, if you do what's right, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which open up to receive your brother's blood by your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You'll be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Look at this phrase. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. That phrase right there, that'll change your life. That right there, this will change your life. This can be said in a different way. This can be said this way. The absence of Abel's impact in the future is deafening to me. Abel was righteous and he was making righteous decisions. And every time you make a choice based on what is right and good according to God's will, it has impact through the generations. When Cain rose up and killed Abel, it silenced the impact for a thousand generations. And God, knowing the end from the beginning, can measure and know what is missing from history. And God said, it is screaming from the ground. 
You have no idea what you have done, Cain. You have removed the impact of your brother in history. His voice is no longer there. Y'all, Abel was bringing a sheep to God as a sacrifice in the very first sacrifice. How quickly do you think we would have gotten to the Christ had he remained? The revelation of the lamb and the slaughter, that what cost the blood sacrifice, how quick, it was there. I mean, it was there at the beginning. You're like, well, what if I wouldn't exist? No, you would have. You existed in the Father's heart before that. We would have had a different earth existence had Abel stayed around. It's deafening the impact. It's deafening. How do you measure it? So you have a decision to make in your business, and you're going to choose between God's will or what will impact and benefit you and your family for the next 150 years. Well, I can get away with it and full of generational wealth. 150 years. We're building something. No, you're not. No, you're not. What you have the opportunity to do is to do God's will and have the impact of your choices last. Can I reframe something for you? I don't think marriage is a political issue, and I don't think abortion is a political issue. I think it's about this. I think it is about the silencing of the impact of eternity in a generation. So, whoa, whoa, slow, slow, slow. No, 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 no. Slow your roll. I was digging a big hole for you to fall in. I'm just warning you. In eternity's eyes, I'm not sure there is an impact difference between the silencing of a voice and you choosing to silence your voice. I think that we all create impact. But I will tell you that right now, the world has a void of solution that we're most likely in the generation that we did not give opportunity to impact the world. Do you understand? Collectively, as a nation, as a people, the world collectively has an, a burden within this. It's not a he, she, blame, political, them, they. It isn't us. And a burden to make choices based on God's will. Because while Abel's voice was silent, did we get to the Christ? You betcha. Very Minnesotan of me right there. We got there. Because God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will but the opportunity for you to participate in it is only right now. It's only right now. What will you do with your days? Your choices matter, y'all. There is mercy for iniquity in the choices that we've made. Of course there is. But it doesn't mean that there's not impact in it causing problems. Go Packers. Just lighten in the mood a little bit here. Come on. You're thinking this through. 
Process it. Consider it. It matters. Don't love the things of the world. Don't do it. Don't pursue those things. It's, there's no value in them. Temporary things have temporary value. And yeah, we got to exchange some things. Like I need a car to drive because that's we live far away from stuff now. Horses is not practical at all. So I might trade income for a car. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't build your life on temporary things. Can I, can I tell you something? I think that if I... I, I say this with confidence, and I say it unashamedly, but I absolutely, if I have the opportunity to trade temporary resources to make eternal impact, do it. I'm doing it every time, as often as I can. Right? I mean, temporary thing. Now, I, you got to hear this, because what that means is that there is cost it means sacrifice. It means you have to choose to deny the appetite or the lust of your eye, of your flesh, and the pride of life, which is your achievements. you got to be okay with not becoming something special because you chose to lay down your life to help someone else. That's heaven. That's what Jesus did. He was 33 years old. Why wouldn't if he have lived a full life? Because he chose to lay down his life to benefit others. That's heaven. Temporary resources, trading for eternal value. Woo! Next time you're driving your car, you know, I, I, I noticed it a lot more these days. You know, along with anxiety, there's need. There's pressures on people. Money is a thing right now, right? The systems of this world, not doing so hot right now. They're temporary. They're temporary. God's ways, though, really do always work. You really can trust him. Okay, he's good. I, I, I notice on street corners, often right now, there's like every street corner, it's not so, in Minnesota, you got to understand, some of you are from warm states, right? And it's more common there because, like, it's warm. <laughs> Minnesota, you don't see it as often, especially not on the suburbs, but we're seeing it on every corner now, people standing out there with signs asking for help. People aren't doing that because this was their life plan. They're, there's trouble, there's pressures, like people are struggling, like that's just part of life. The Bible explains and says there is a way of sacrifice. It is called alms. Repeat after me. Alms. Okay? Alms is giving to the poor. It is meeting the lust of the flesh for someone else. It's the choice of sacrifice where you say, I'm not going to eat filet mignon and king crab lobster or whatever. King crab, that's not a thing. Lobster. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to restrain my appetite so I can share my bread with the poor. That's alms. And the Bible says that when you do that, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay. That's what it means, alms, okay? Offering. We use that phrase. Give your offering. We use this phrase. What does it mean? Offering is intentional giving of resource to something. You're offering it to help. 
So, so we have a team in Brazil right now. We have sent teams to Brazil so many times, and we have funded it. We have sown as a community, as a church, and, and the result is eternal. I got to tell you, I, I think we really might be 100,000 plus people getting saved as a direct result of this congregation in that nation. <laughs> Schools come to Jesus. They're right now there seeing this kind of impact. It's incredible. We have a church there. We do. You and I. We have a church there. We have, we have, uh, we're working with kids. You as a congregation have adopted children to help better their life. Why? Because we are trading temporary resources for eternal impact. All right, so you are sowing intentionally towards, I don't know, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be an event. It could be a ministry. It could be you are intentionally impacting something for eternity. You are offering what you possess, what costs you something to help make that impact. And I unashamedly say to you, dude, you should get in this game. You should participate in giving and sowing. Be a part of as many offerings as you can. Why? Because you're trading temporary resources to make eternal impact. It's like so simple. But, ooh, it hurts. It hurts. It's hard. Tithing. Tithing is not an offering. It's not an offering. The word tithe means 10%. I got to tell you, I hear testimonies all the time about our church. I mean, like people have been impacted so deeply. Families transformed, lives touched. Like what's happening here in this community? You, what, what, we've, what we're doing together, like is making impact in our city, in our region, Beyond, it's like really, truly impacting. There's eternal value on what's happening here. When you tithe, you are declaring who your God is, and it's to the local church. And I unashamedly say that if the house is your home church, you should be tithing. Why, pastor? Because I want you to benefit from what you are contributing to. Because you trade earthly resources for heavenly impact. Is it costly? Yes. Does it hurt? Yeah. But there are so many promises attached to it. There is so much God stuff attached to it. I, we're not under the law, Pastor. Yeah, it wasn't established by the law. It was established by Abraham hundreds of years before the law. It's the declaration of who your God is. Now, you got to catch this. In the face of money. Who makes your decisions? Is your decision a temporary decision based on an economy or a projection or the bottom line? Or is it based on I do the will of God because I want to participate in eternal things? This is the process, y'all. I don't have any problem preaching that. I don't do it often. Maybe I should do it more often just to encourage you because eternity, you're going to wish that you did participate in God's system. 
Because we only get a few short years on this planet and we only have access to a whatever resource. And, and absolutely, a million times over, you should trade whatever resource you have opportunity to sacrifice to the Lord to participate in eternal things. And then there's great blessing that happens as a result. I, it's, it's not a... <laughs> this is a great blessing that happens as a result. I know that the world, you, people are under financial pressures. I know that there's stress and anxiety. And when that happens, the temptation of a heart is to draw back. Quarantine. But that is not how you break through. You break through by intentionally sowing towards the future. That's how you break through. We break through by intentionally. Isaac, in the days of famine, was tempted to go back down to Egypt like Abraham did. The sins of his father. But the Lord spoke to him and said, nope, remain. And so Isaac sowed into the land of famine and reaped a hundredfold. In other words, how you build the bridge between Abraham and Jacob or Israel is that somebody has to sacrifice and choose to sow even though it's hard because you know what's coming is of great value. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that is exactly what the house church is doing right now, y'all. We're bulking up kids' ministry. There have been many hires. There's, we're working overtime right now to make sure the next generation is provided for, that we as a family get to see that baton pass to the next generation. Y'all are contributing to that. We're a part of that. It matters. Are you alive? Okay. All right, we can collectively take a big sigh. You're through it. Woo! All right, let's land the plane. Just put a hand on your own heart right now, would you? This is my declaration. You get to make your own. You don't know the hardship and pain, difficulties, like someone has gone through to walk in the blessings that they appear to be living in right now. You don't know what's going on with them. Really hard to measure from the outside. But I can tell you that breakthrough comes because someone persevered and stuck with something. Your marriage will be blessed. You got to see it through, though. Your, your kids, oh, man. A million times over, I would trade career for my children. Not even hard. Can't do the reverse, though, once the time is gone. You have today. You have opportunity. You have breath. Trade temporary things for eternal impact and do it as often as you can. God, I thank you for each and every person here today. Thank you for their hearts. I thank you, God, that their yes has been to you and you've saved them gloriously and your kindness is so evident in our lives. God, I thank you. I pray, Lord, 
that you would help, you give sight, faith to see. Lord, beyond the temporary circumstance, beyond the next political campaign, beyond the markets and the projected financial outcomes, beyond leadership decisions and companies, and beyond your job, beyond the pain, beyond circumstance, see beyond it. If you will choose God's will, eternity will rest on those decisions and the impact will not be cut off. It will be perpetual. God, give grace to the humble today. Give grace to the humble. Grant us repentance. Grace for repentance to change our mind about things. Oh, Lord, I don't want to live my life for myself and miss out on what you were inviting me to participate in that was eternal. I want to participate in eternity. I want to see your kingdom come, Jesus. Jesus laid down his life so that we could help him to step into the reality of King of kings and Lord of lords. It's our process. We get to co-labor with him. God, thank you. Give grace to this community. Just stand to your feet right now. I'm going to bless you and release you. So just position your heart for receive a blessing. You don't got to tense up. There's no more preaching coming, okay? Just receive the blessing. Jesus, let joy fill and strengthen each one. Thank you, Lord. I bless your people today, Lord. I bless every decision they're going to make. Oh, Lord, that they would see from eternity and from the beginning. I bless them today. I bless them. God, I pray that you would heap blessing upon blessing after blessing upon them. God, I pray that you would so outrageously move in their life that it is absolutely ridiculous. The world looks at it and goes, how in the world did that happen? And it could only be you. God, I pray that you would heap upon their life grace upon grace that they can overcome and they will be strengthened in the day of adversity and they would be able to see past. God, I pray that you would grant them all that is necessary. Give them favor, Lord, to step into calling. Give them favor, Lord, to speak into the world system and introduce the leaven of the kingdom. God, grant them favor, O Lord, to make decisions that are contrary to the world system that may cause persecution, O Lord, but they are going to rise up victoriously because your hand is upon their life. God, bless them. Increase them, God. Increase them, God. Let peace, the shalom of heaven, guard their hearts and minds that they would know what it is like to live under the dominion of heaven. Your smile over them, God. I bless your people today. I bless their impact. I bless the work of their hands. May it be established that we would see Jesus get what he paid for. He gets his full reward, and it'll be because you were a part of it. God, I bless each one in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And anyone who dared to agree with this said, Amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. 
It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.